Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Kitchen Table Podcast. I'm sure you were expecting to hear that smooth, calm, and collected voice that we all love to listen to. Uh, But today, surprise, surprise, you get a solo episode from yours truly. Um, I'm sure some of you have noticed we've had an inconsistent rhythm this season. Some of that has been good for good reason. We've we've been building out um, other arms of this community and some of it has just been life, you know, kids, the whole nine. Um, and during this season, I have been in the background with my calendar pointing at Keenan um, to get back on schedule and look at the plan and remember what our goals were and he challenged me to, instead of uh, just complaining and pointing out where we were kind of missing the mark, to jump in and make up the difference. And so here we are, making up the difference. Uh, I will say that from this point forward, I will no longer hound him about recording episodes. This is not as easy as I thought. I am definitely someone who thrives in organic conversation. I love relationship. I love community, but putting a microphone in front of that is um, a little more challenging than I thought. So my only prayer or request is that you would bear with me through this episode. Uh, It's trying something new, but I am really um, passionate about what I believe God has placed on my heart. And so This entire season, we've been talking about pursuing, what it means to pursue in general. And then we kind of went through some different topics of pursuing love, pursuing peace, and uh, most recently, pursuing purpose. And all of those conversations have been uh, just really challenging for me in a way, like just to really refine and kind of clear out the clutter in my mind and in my heart to really um, just be as honest and uh, open in those areas of my life as possible and just kind of getting back to like what it means to really go after all that God has for me in those areas and today we are going to dive into pursuing Jesus what does it mean to pursue Jesus And so as much as it felt like I was just jumping in, um, you know, because of the conversation Keenan and I had at the same time when I looked at, you know, our schedule and the topic that we had planned, it really felt extremely intentional at the same time. Um, Because this is a conversation that I really have been having with myself um, and with my closest friends uh, really since 2020. Uh, The reality is, is that However challenging 2020 was for all of us, one gift that we did receive was disruption. It Everything about 2020 disrupted our norm and how we were living our lives. And it offered us this opportunity to look within and really evaluate every aspect of our lives. I spent a lot of time uh, just reflecting and undoing patterns and belief systems that weren't really serving me or my relationship with God. Uh, I believe that my pursuit of Jesus became more refined than ever before uh, since 
you know, COVID-19 and all of the different issues that we face globally in 2020. I recognize that if you know nothing about relationship with God or if you've or maybe you've been walking with him your whole life, this conversation about pursuing Jesus and what it means is one that I believe we will continue to have over and over and over again throughout our lives. I believe that we will continue to have this conversation because even when our intentions are the best, even when our habits are healthy, our humanity will kick in and take us off course or life happens and it has the ability to make us spiral into things that, you know, we may have thought we overcame or, you know, the a circumstance that just was so unexpected, um, sickness, relational issues that can just completely uh, throw us for a loop. And, you know, we never envisioned ourselves being in that space. And so, We will always need more of him. We'll always need his grace. We'll always need his mercy. And no matter how long we've been doing this whole relationship thing, there is more room to grow and there is more opportunity to be more like him. And so I think, you know, even maybe six months from now, if I revisit this topic, um, The hope is that I will have learned more and evolved more and have um, even fresh perspective, um, even in that amount of time, because there truly are um, no ends to knowing Jesus and to pursuing him and um, the depths that we have the ability to explore with him. When talking about the pursuit of Jesus, if I'm honest, my thoughts became really muffled and muddy. Uh, you know, when I was writing out uh, my thoughts, that it was this tension that I continued to find myself in of like wanting to share how um, there's all this beauty in Jesus meeting us right where we are. So even if we're in a place where we don't really desire a relationship with him or we're, you know, apprehensive about this whole faith thing, um, he, he'll meet us there. And then on the flip side of that, you know, he calls us higher in relationship with him makes us better. And so, you know, I, I asked God to help me uh, remember a time or a story um, that really kind of expressed what was in my heart. And um, after a few days, I, I thought back to the first time that I served in uh, Los Angeles on Skid Row. So for those of you who are unfamiliar with Skid Row, it's located in downtown Los Angeles. And as of 2019, the population of this district was a little under 5,000 people. uh, And it contains one of the largest stable populations of homeless people in the United States. And it's been this way since the 1930s. And, um, you know, when I I had my I've, I had driven through Skid Row on a number of you know occasions living in L.A. Um, and even being a part of the Dream Center, I, you know, they served there consistently. But I just really kind of had a wall up about going. And um, I don't remember the exact events that led to me actually being there. But when I got there. Um, I was a mess, like emotionally, I just was really overwhelmed by, you know, seeing the state 
of people and and their their living conditions and um, I remember after collecting myself and you know pulling it together so that I could actually serve and you know be a light um, the gentleman who was leading us uh, before we like got off the bus that we were on to to go out into the streets he you know he prayed and then he also paused and he shared a few thoughts that really have stuck with me forever he explained that we were going to see you know homelessness people living in horrible conditions people doing drugs people hungry um and whatever our ideas were about their choices or their lifestyle didn't matter that we were entering into their homes and we needed to show the same respect for their space and their lifestyle as we would want someone to show in our own home or you know, for our choices. He went on to express that introducing people to Jesus is just that, introducing people to Jesus. We weren't there to pull people out of a lifestyle that they had chosen we were not to approach people with the mindset that, you know, the only way that our time there was successful, if someone got back on the bus with us to come, you know, to the Dream Center, it was really about just showing up for people, um, meeting them where they were, um, and whether that was praying with them or just treating them like a human being, which is very rare when, you know, you live in that type of environment that, that's what we were there to do, to meet people and to introduce them to Jesus. And the beauty of that is for some people, that moment does result in them having this revelation or, you know, taking advantage of this opportunity and wanting to come and, you know, be a part of the programs that we offered. But he made it so clear that we weren't there to persuade people into behavior modification but really just showing them and introducing them in any capacity into relationship with their creator. And I think this moment defines the tension that we live in as believers. We know that God wants us to live lives that are healthy and whole. We know that, you know, drug addiction and homelessness and uh, depression and, you know, we know that those are not our best lives, that those things are not from God. We know that his heart breaks when he sees us living in pain and living lives that, you know, are harmful to us. But as disciples, as followers of Jesus, our role is to introduce people to him and believe that the power of the Holy Spirit will do the work in them, you know, to create a life that is better. It's our job to speak to people's potential and to their purpose. It's our job to show the love of God But the work really is up to the Holy Spirit. The the Bible tells us that the good work that he began in us will be completed, that he does it. It's not, you know, on our shoulders and it's really above our pay grade. But in community, it's often challenging to really embrace that. You know, in community, it's challenging to be in relationship with people whose lives look so different than ours. It's complicated loving people whose personalities don't align with ours, whose, you know, etiquette or, you know, just social norms are not the same as our own. It's uncomfortable and you can 
attempt to be the most welcoming and open person. But the reality is, is, you know, all of us, it can experience that like secondhand embarrassment or, you know, you're just cringing inside because someone does something so differently than you do. And the truth is, is that some of those things that make us uncomfortable, we can project in in faith spaces or communities um, and make them Bible. And, and that's actually not true. And when we do that, we actually close off people from this opportunity of being accepted and experiencing the love of God. The heart of the kitchen table is to create spaces where uncommon people can find common ground. And that common ground is Jesus. He is the great unifier because he truly accepts all of us and he's willing to work with us and go through life with us no matter how complicated that looks. So in my life, pursuing him feels like that moment where nothing else matters. It's this moment where I step into his presence and somehow everything else just falls away. Pursuing him is living in a state where I can also create that same experience for other people. That when they are in community with me or when they are in, you know, even just conversation with me, that somehow all of the differences that we have, all of the things that don't align, somehow seem to slip away and we enter into this space where we find common ground. I think it's easier to believe that pursuing Jesus is all about the good works that we aspire to do and be in our communities. But the truth is, that's just being a good human. You know, there are many programs and many uh, resources and communities that are doing amazing work and reaching people and supporting people. And those are great, but those things are not necessarily anchored in Jesus. It, like I said, it, it's just being a good human and caring about the person standing next to you. Pursuing Jesus is recognizing that all of the things that I can't reconcile, all of the places that I have been wrong in my life are somehow made right through his power. Th- this place of pursuing Jesus is where my past can't find me and also where my sin can't keep me in a cycle of dysfunction. He has this way of showing up and making everything else, like I said, just fall away. And I've spent a lot of my faith journey realizing that my intentions were to pursue Jesus, but in actuality, I was in pursuit of many other things, thinking that it was Jesus. I've pursued being good and looking good. I've pursued approval. I've pursued religion and being accepted in church communities. I've pursued you know, spirituality and peace. I've pursued knowledge and the list goes on and on. If I'm honest, I struggle with consistently pursuing Jesus because it's so easy to confuse our own goodness with who he is. When we get kind of caught up in, you know, serving people or doing quote unquote the right thing, you can feel like, yeah, this is Jesus. But It's a byproduct of it. It's something that we should do as believers, but it doesn't define all that we are. 
if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you've heard Keenan and I share um, at one point or another how important it is to use what's in our hands and be the hands and feet of Jesus. And we believe that with our whole hearts. And we have a passion to serve and love the community that we've been placed in. But our desire to look like Jesus looked is not the same thing as pursuing Jesus himself. The essence of pursuing Jesus requires a level of intimacy that most of us can't sit still long enough to engage in. The thought of sitting present with a loving God who sees all of who you are and accepts you, but in the same breath is calling you higher and calling you out of things that you aren't comfortable with, calling you out of lifestyles and relationships that don't align with you being your best self. The pursuit of Jesus requires a level of vulnerability that can be terrifying. It takes you down a path of truly being naked and unafraid. And if you're anything like me, you're getting uncomfortable with the last few statements that I've made. And I had to ask myself why. Why am I so comfortable and bold and confident when I'm talking about being the hands and feet of Jesus and serving people and living out my purpose? But when I get to this place of talking about just being with him, I I get a little nervous. I get uncertain and my words, like I said, become really muddy. If this is the place that I live from, Why can it feel so unfamiliar? When we enter into this space where it's not about our works, it's not about our Bible knowledge or our positions or titles or what we've done or what we're a part of, it's about Jesus, who he is and what it means to us. The words can become few. The truth is my relationship with God started with me rejecting him altogether I wanted nothing to do with church. I wanted nothing to do with the people in the church. And what I quickly learned in this season, and I was a young teenager when I met God, I I learned that you can reject organized religion. You can reject church and church culture. You can reject the social norms and ideas around faith and what it's supposed to look like. But what you cannot fake, what you cannot reject or overcome is a genuine encounter with Jesus. When you experience his presence, even even if it's only for a moment, I believe that you will truly never be the same. I had that moment in many of those moments since I've been following Jesus. I didn't do anything good for him to meet me there. I wasn't living right. I wasn't worthy of him making himself available to me wasn't deserving of his grace. And like I said, initially, I had no desire to be a part of anything that had to do with faith. Yet and still he met me and he continues to meet me even when I don't hit the target. He he meets the people on Skid Row and more than he wanted me to change, he wanted me to know him. And I believe that that is the desire above all of the good things that we love to talk about. So I'm often perplexed at how quickly, as his disciples, I include myself in this group, I put so much weight on what people need to look like to be accepted into 
my space or accepted in my community, how quickly we confuse our social norms and our comfort and our limited understanding with who Jesus is. Our ideas of what is socially acceptable is not Bible. It does not define the heart of the God that we serve. And when I go back to this place of, you know, literally wanting nothing to do with God, how and and, and experiencing his love and him meeting me there, I I feel like how how dare I place so many uh, requirements on people to have that same experience with him. The Bible says, whosoever will may come and whosoever will let him take the water of life freely. I think the pursuit of Jesus for me is arriving at a place where I'm no longer worried about what I look like. And my only goal is to create spaces where his love can be extended to others. The only way that I can stay in that place is by being in his presence. When I can sit still long enough to be saturated by his love, I want to be better. I want my life to to be better. I want to lay that life down and my comforts down. I want to lay down my ideas and the things that make me comfortable, the things that make me feel safe. I want to lay those things down so much so that other people see the possibility of experiencing this kind of love with God. The pursuit of Jesus to me is summed up by this one question. Am I seeking the hand of God or am I seeking God himself? The hand of God is all of the things that, you know, we rattle off wanting and needing from God, you know, wanting blessing and favor, um, an answer to our problems, the job opportunity opening up, the the clarity on understanding our purpose and why we're here to begin with. I believe those are the things that can kind of fall under this category of seeking his hand. And seeking himself is truly relationship. Wanting to know who he is, wanting to know why he created us the way that he created us and just truly being in his presence. And so I feel like when I reach this point in my walk where I'm not so consumed with trying to figure it out, but I'm just desiring to be in his presence, that that's when I know I'm just seeking God himself, that I'm truly in pursuit of him. I believe that God's presence truly changes everything. And the enemy doesn't want us to ever grab a hold of this truth, that it's actually Jesus in his presence that does the work. It's not our striving or pretending or, you know, wearing masks so that we can fit in. Um, It's the power of who he is. And when you're in his presence, everything else begins to fall away. If the enemy can keep us busy managing our sin and creating spaces where other people feel forced and condemned to keep their eyes on all of their shortcomings and mishaps, he's won. The enemy isn't scared of our religion. The enemy isn't scared of our church services and conferences. He isn't scared of us toting scripture around and being Bible thumpers. He isn't moved by us comparing 
politicians and what guy looks more like God or which favors more Bible. Like he isn't he isn't scared of those things. But what terrifies the enemy is us knowing that the presence of Jesus is the prize. He's terrified of a group of people who know how to lead people into his presence. He doesn't want us to know that it's simply his presence that does the work, like I have said over and over again. If the enemy can keep us focused on our sin and not shift our eyes to the one who overcame it all, if he can keep us content with living in sin because our salvation is secure, he knows that we won't have any power to set others free. You see, our salvation is our gift from God, but the decision and the choice to live sanctified and submit to the process of sanctification is our gift to other people. When people see us living whole and free and and accessing all of the power that we have in Jesus, that's what compels them to want to know more about the God we serve. So Choosing to to accept the love of God and receive the gift of salvation is beautiful, but that that's for you. And I just want to ask the question, what are you willing to do for others? In 1 Corinthians 15, 55 through 57, it says, Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. And the law gives sin its power. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have victory over this thing. It's just up to us to walk out what that victory looks like. We're not trying to secure victory. We're living our lives from a place of being victorious. And, you know, you may think that this is kind of the part in the the podcast where I give you a couple of steps into entering into his presence or where I break down, you know, this perfect morning routine of sitting still and being with Jesus and getting into his presence. But truly, if I even attempted to do that, it would be putting God in such a small box. We are all so uniquely made and the way that you experience God is going to be so different than the way that I experience him and yes there are some standard practices that all of us um, you know have in place or should have in place of being in community um, you know reading our word having prayer but the way that God speaks to us the way that we feel his comfort and his presence is going to be unique to each person listening to this podcast. My prayer is that wherever you find yourself in this moment, that you would know that you're right where he wants you and that his presence can enter in and change everything. I want to read this quote that I saw on Instagram and I believe it best sums up what needs to be done wherever you find yourself on this complex journey that we call life. It says, until the church consistently leads people into the wilderness. When I say wilderness, we're talking about prayer, solitude, silence, reflection, repentance. Until the church consistently leads people into these spaces to confront our own demons, 
we will project our demons back out into the world and fail to see that some of the demons in the world are simply reflections of ourselves. Until we are willing as believers to sit with ourselves and actually meet Jesus, we are going to continue to look like the world. My only piece of advice for you in the process of pursuing Jesus is to step into the wild, step into the unknown places and trust that he will meet you there. Trust that um, there is greater on the other side of it. I know when you've been walking with God for, you know, any significant amount of time, it could can sometimes feel like you've arrived, but um, I just want to challenge you to stay in pursuit of him and um, to remember that there is so much more. I'm really looking forward to continuing this conversation with my friend Venice. So in a couple days, I think we'll be putting together uh, the episode where I was able to sit down and interview her um, and talk about what pursuing Jesus looks like and means to her and also if you are in the seattle area we are super excited that this sunday we will be having our first um, gathering at the carco theater in renton washington and so we're looking forward to a time of worshiping together uh, keenan's going to be bringing a message and um, we're just looking forward to to being in community and so if you have any more questions about that or you know even want to continue this conversation uh, head over to thekitchentable.com and uh, get in touch with us there thank you and until next time be blessed